Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you tonight. This night, we're going to be having a prayer devotion and a time of prayer together corporately. I want to let you know that tomorrow night here at the church between 6 and 8, we'll be having the visitation services for Dorothy Goodrich. And her, the funeral services are Friday at 11 a.m. Please keep that family in your prayers throughout the next few days. Uh, if you have tithes and offering night, you can drop them out off at the tithe boxes on your way out tonight. Tonight, I'm going to introduce to you a young man named Craig Reynolds who's going to come and bring the word of the Lord. Would you please welcome him? Good evening. How's everyone doing tonight? I just want to say what an honor and a privilege it is to be here uh, with you all tonight and to share with you what the Lord has placed on my heart. Uh, anytime I have an opportunity to share what the Lord has put on my heart or to teach or, or speak or do anything for the Lord, I always consider it a very humbling opportunity. And um, this is definitely not something that I take, for, uh, take lightly or take for granted. Um, it's always a very humbling opportunity. Um, I want to open with a story that I came across uh, uh, recently. And uh, it really touched me, and I thought, wow, what a great lesson and uh, what a great perspective to take from that. And it was this. One day, a wealthy family man took his son on a trip to the country so that he could see how poor country people were. They stayed one day and one night at the farm of a very humble farm family. When they got back home, the father asked the son, what did you think of the trip? The son replied, very nice, Dad. The dad said, did you notice how poor they were? Yes, replied the son. So what did you learn from the trip, asked the father. The son replied, I've learned that we have one big dog in the house and they have four. We have a fountain and imported lamps in our garden. They have a stream with no end and the stars in the sky. Our, gar our garden goes to the edge of our property. They have the entire horizon for their backyard. And at the end of the son's reply, the father was speechless, and, uh, and then uh, the son replied to the father, he said, Dad, I just want to thank you for showing me how poor we really are. God's good, amen. Today is also a, a very special day to me that I hold very uh, near and dear uh, to my heart. Uh, many of you may know this, but some may not. Um, I was privileged and, you know, had the complete honor of uh, spending four years of my life serving in the United States Marine Corps. And um, thank you. And, um, and today, November 10th, marks the, 200, the 246th birthday of our beloved United States Marine Corps. Thank you. And uh, I'd like to take just a moment um, in this service to recognize any fellow veteran or maybe if there's any active duty military members in this service uh, here today. Um, if you have served in the United States military or maybe you're currently serving, would you please stand right now? Thank you. It's always a, it's a humbling thing whenever I look at somebody like Brother Bill Marvin or Brother Emmett Morgan, and uh, whenever I look at them men, I know that those are the men that paved the way for me and the brothers that I served with. And uh, you look at those men, and that's what America is, that, the sacrifice that these men made. They made it easy for us. 
And uh, I just want to, I want to salute you guys. Thank you. Thank you. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3, 16 is probably the most common and most quoted verse in the Bible and the most quoted verse that's ever been used. Chances are, if you were to ask anyone around this part of the country um, of a Bible verse that they knew or what their favorite Bible verse is, even if they don't go to church, they would say John 3, 16. Even if they don't know all the words to it, they, would, they are at least aware of John 3, 16. And sometimes I think this verse is used so often that people fail or they forget to realize the power and the meaning of the words that are in this verse. Just this one verse sums the gospel up into just a few short words, and it tells us just how much God loves us and just how far he is willing to go, willing to, go to show us that love. And the love of God is something that we're never ever going to be able to fully comprehend in our human minds. That the same God who placed every star, every star in the sky and knows them by name, and the same God who told the sea where to stop and the land to begin. And the same God that the Bible says the heavens proclaim his glory and the skies display his craftsmanship. That same God, the one who spoke the entire universe into existence, cared enough for you and he cared enough for me that he sent his son to the earth that he created to be nailed to a tree that he created by the people he created for the sins that we created. There is no greater love than that. And it's only through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and through the blood that he shed that made it possible for us to have easy access to salvation and to wash away all of our sins so that we can live a life of freedom and have an eternal life in heaven when we pass from this life to the next. Romans 10 and 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with, a mouth, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And whenever we accept Christ into our hearts and we make him Lord of our life, not only do we receive the gift of eternal life, but we also receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And whenever the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he comes and he dwells inside us. And he plays a very vital role in our walk with the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit who draws us to Christ and shows us our need for a Savior. Jesus said this about the Holy Ghost in John chapter 16, verses 7 through 14. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come, and he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And it's throughout our, our walk with the Lord and throughout our journey in this faith, of our faith that the Holy Spirit, he continues to work through us and in us. The Holy Spirit, he comforts us, he encourages us, encourages us, he strengthens us, he guides us, he teaches us, and he empowers us. 
He brings the word of God to our remembrance. He bears witness and testifies of who we are in Christ. He enables us to do good works and to live a life that produces spiritual fruit. But another very vital role that the, and work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives is he brings conviction to our lives. Conviction is defined as the convincing of error or compelling the omission of a truth, the state of being convicted of sin or by one's conscience. In layman terms, conviction makes us aware of a sinful thought or behavior so that we can bring correction to it. An example of the conviction of the Holy Ghost would be feeling bad and then coming to repentance after looking at things on the internet that you shouldn't be looking at, and then making yourself accountable to where you won't make that same mistake again. Or feeling bad and then asking God to forgive you after telling a lie to someone, and then going to that person and being completely honest with them about what you did. That's conviction. And conviction is necessary in the life of a believer. Conviction guides us and helps us stay grounded in the ways of the Lord and to stay on the path that God has called us to be on. Conviction helps us to make good decisions and exercise wisdom that is aligned with the word of God. Conviction shows us that we aren't able to do things on our own, and it causes us to run to God instead of from God. Essentially, conviction helps us to live a life that is holy and acceptable to God, bringing glory and honor to his name, while at the same time reminding us of who we are in Christ. So conviction plays a very key role in our walk with the Lord. But what Satan tries to do in our, in our lives as believers is he tries to replace conviction with condemnation. Condemnation means to pronounce to be guilty, to sentence to punishment, and to pass judgment against. And that's exactly what the devil does. He constantly brings up accusations against us that point out our flaws, failures, and mistakes in life. And he tries to keep us weighed down under the pressure of all the shame that comes with those things. Condemnation will make you feel like running from God instead of to God. So in the same scenario as earlier, you have repented and asked God to forgive you for looking at those things on the internet that you shouldn't have been looking at. Your sin has been brought under the blood of Jesus, but the devil is still beating you up about it, and he's trying to convince you that you have went too far and that there's no chance of forgiveness. That's condemnation. That's why the Bible refers to Satan as the accuser of the brethren. And one of the biggest tactics that the devil does in bringing condemnation into our lives as followers of Christ is by placing thoughts in our minds and by replaying all the bad things we did in our past, especially before coming to Christ. I know how this feels because I've experienced this many and many times again throughout my journey with the Lord. The devil has put thoughts in my head like, remember when you did this, or do you think God can really forgive you after you did that, or you're not worthy, or nobody else, uh, or my personal favorite, uh, you're not really saved, but I was there when it happened. I was there when I got tired of living a life of sin, running down the same dead-end, hopeless road, and I surrendered my life to Christ, and he welcomed me into his arms with love and grace. And I was there when he washed me clean and sanctified me in his precious blood. And I was there when he baptized me in his Holy Spirit. And I feel his love and presence every day as I see him working in my life, drawing me closer and closer to him, making me less of myself and more like him every day. So I know that whenever I hear those lies and those thoughts enter my head, I know they're lies from the father of lies himself. And it's crucial that as believers, we recognize these thoughts as soon as they enter into our minds. Because if we don't, they will produce doubt in our walk with the Lord, and it will keep us from living up to the full potential of what Christ has for us. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 to 5 says to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
And when we do this, we begin to see and think of ourselves the way that Christ sees us and thinks of us according to his word and not, a, and not according to the lies of the enemy. It's no coincidence that in, after the words found in John 3, 16, that you find the words in John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus came to set you and me free from all of our sins and shame and to not live in condemnation. You see, the devil wants to keep reminding you of the past, but he's not worried about the past. He's worried about your future and the impact that you're going to make for the kingdom of God. I read something the other day that really hit me, and it's really just stuck with me, and uh, it's something I've been replaying, and it is, attack is proof that your enemy still believes in you. Attack is proof that your enemy still believes in you. The enemy would not fight you so hard if you weren't carrying something valuable. So if the devil is attacking you and he's throwing all these punches at you, especially about the person that you used to be, or he keeps reminding you of the areas where you have failed or struggled in in your walk with the Lord, it's because he's afraid of what God is going to use you to do for the kingdom of God. But praise God that he's given us his word to bring into the fight so that we can have the victory. And when you open the Bible, you read the, many scriptures and many stories of what it means to be transformed by the power of God. One of the greatest examples of this is the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul, before coming to Christ, was known as Saul. He was a man of authority, but he was also a man who was feared by the early church because he was responsible for many of the death and persecution of the early church believers. But I love the story of the conversion of Paul in Acts chapter 9 because it just displays and shows the, the very power of the God that we serve. Acts chapter 9 verse 1 says this, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, and then in verse 20 of the same chapter, the Bible says this, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. In just a few short verses in the same chapter, God transformed Paul from a man who was killing and persecuting Christians to preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Who can do that? Only God. Who can make the impossible possible? Only God. Who can take what the enemy meant for evil and for destruction and turn it to good? Only God. It is only by the love, the power, the grace, and the mercy of God that I am here today and that you are here today. It is not by coincidence, and it is not by uh, accident. It is by divine purpose and appointment. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward towards those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Just like the Apostle Paul, we can't allow the, the past to define us and to keep, keep us from what God has in store, for, in store for us. Because the prize and the calling that God has for us is far too great. Those things of the past, the sin, the shame, the mistakes, and all the failure, they're behind you. Jesus paid the price. And all those things, when you come to him, they're washed away under his blood and you're made clean. He is the only one who has the power to transform you and to give you a new life. So if you have Christ in your heart and in your life, walk in victory and declare what his word says. His word says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 
that if anyone is in Christ, that they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. His word declares that we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. His word declares that we are to be written epistles, read of all men. It is my prayer that each and every one of us in here today will walk in victory and have the mind of Christ. That we will forget those things which are behind us, the failure, the shame, the mistakes. And we will press towards those things which God has for us. That whenever people look at us and read us, that they will see the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And that they will know that there is hope for them also. If you've been living with condemnation and you feel weighed down under the pressure that comes with that and the constant reminder of the enemy, you don't have to continue to live like that. Maybe you feel defeated over something that happened 10 years ago, a year ago, a month ago, a week ago, a day ago. It doesn't matter. God doesn't want you to feel weighed down and beat up. He wants you to live in victory and in freedom. God's word says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So if you're carrying around a heavy burden, that's not of God. I've spent a lot of time in my walk with the Lord uh, fighting the devil and letting him beat me upside the head with condemnation. When all I had to do was just realize that Jesus paid the price in full and that the devil is defeated. It's really that simple, church. So if you've been living with condemnation and you feel unworthy and you feel weighed down, you don't have to leave here with that same heavy burden. I'd like to invite you to find a spot at this altar and to leave that burden at the feet of Jesus. Me and some other prayer warriors, we'd love to sit here and pray with you as long as it takes. But don't leave here the same way that you came. It is not of God. God has called us to live in victory and, we are, and to live as overcomers, to be victors, just like our declaration declares. So if that's you, if you've been living with condemnation and shame and and the devil has been just beating you upside the head. No matter what it is, it doesn't matter. I'd like to invite you right now to find a place at this altar, and we'd love to pray with you.